0: To In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins Where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out And now, today's lesson Last week it was kind of an apropos message In that we had Halloween upon us. And since then, we've gone through Halloween. But as we talked last week, as Paul said, don't let anyone judge you in in a festival or a, a, a certain day or a Sabbath, a, a particular feast or anything like that. Don't let people judge you on those things. Those are all pictures and signs of things to come, but When you come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we find our complete and total sufficiency in Christ. Our complete and total acceptance to God in Christ. Not in what feast I observe or what feast I don't observe or what holiday I observe or what holiday I don't observe. And as we talked about that last week, I know that Halloween is a, it's kind of one of those that that we look at and we, we, uh, in the church and we, man, that's the evil holiday. That's the evil ghoul and goblin holiday. And we talked about it that last week. You can get that off the, uh, online if you, you want to go back and listen to that message. But it's in that, that if you have a clear conscience as you go before the Lord and, and you dress up, so be it. You know, go enjoy yourself. Don't, celebrate, you know, the enemy, you know, celebrate the Lord, celebrate that you can get together with friends and family and enjoy, you know, life and and go get some free candy, you know. Don't do anything heinous. Don't go out there and hurt people's houses or anything like that. But we talked about how not to be judged for doing that. On the other hand, we also talked about the costume. Halloween is known for its costumes and we, we understand that when you put on a costume, I was talking to Camden last week and Camden was, was Optimus Prime. And, uh, it, and I talked of Camden last week after we got done and we were, we were, you know, uh, you know, talking about, you know, what, what would Optimus Prime look like, you know, and those of you who don't know who Optimus Prime is, well, Look it up, you know, Optimus Prime, Autobots, assemble, you know, and and Autobots roll out. Yeah, he's he's the big semi truck, you know, the red, white and blue semi truck that turns into this huge, you know, robot and what have you. And and so as I was talking to Camden, when you put that outfit on, what do you do? You know, are you Spider-Man? No. Are you Superman? No. Are you Batman? No. You know, what are you? Why well, I'm Optimus Prime. You know, you're Optimus Prime. You, you, you pretend to be that character, if you will. You, you take on the character of the outfit that you are in. And as we talked about that last week, Paul was writing to the Church of Colossae and the, the neighboring city of Laodicea. He was saying, listen, your heist, your, your life is hidden in Christ. And so as we talked about that last week, it was like, almost like, it's like you unzip a Jesus suit, you step inside of a Jesus suit, and you zip it back up, and when people look at you, they are to be seeing Jesus and not you. I'm, I'm trying to simplify what Paul is talking about. When we hide ourselves in Christ, which is what we are when we come to him, we're hidden in Christ, you know, uh, with Christ in God. We, we put on the suit of Christ. We turn, we we put on a robe of righteousness, not something that we have earned or anything that we can actually assemble, not something that we can actually sew together. We can't do that. It's something that the Lord puts on us because of his worthiness, because of his love, because of his sacrifice, because of his abilities, not because of us. There's nothing that warrants this outfit that God puts on us when we come to Christ, when we recognize our own sin and we become a Christian. Something changes, or at least it better. It ought to. We put on a costume. We put on a robe of righteousness. We put on an outfit. My outfit is no longer Don. My outfit is now Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You remember Jesus talked about that in in John chapter 14. He said, listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go, if I don't go away, I can't send the helper to you. But if I do go away, I will send the comforter to you, the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, Him; he's with you, but he will be in you. And so we look at that and we think, what advantage possibly could be better than having Jesus Christ walking among us here? Jesus said, much, much. It was great. It's a great thing to be able to have me leave and for me to send the Holy Spirit. And that's always kind of scratched you know, caused me to scratch my head. Kind of the RCA dog kind of, you know, picture of turning your head sideways and kind of go, I don't understand what would be better than having Jesus here on the earth showing us the way. And Jesus says, no, it's actually to your advantage that I do go because I'll send the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He will be in you and he will guide you into all the truth. And here's so so here's what's happening. Jesus says it's to your advantage, because if I'm here, I'm in one place Right? Jesus is in one place. Where is he going to be? Well, he was in Israel. If Jesus were here today, maybe he'd be in Israel. Where would you be? Well, probably here. Man, I wish Jesus would make a trip over here. I mean, man, doesn't American Airlines go to Israel? <laughs> no, they don't. When's he going to come over here to the, to the U.S. so that I can go and see his tour, you know? Jesus says, no, no. See, when I go away, I'm going to send my holy, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to give you wisdom. And He's going to give you discernment. And he's going to do a work in you. But that can only happen if I go away. The idea is that when Jesus goes away, he's not going to be, Located in one location, specific location here on the earth. But when he goes away and he sends the Holy Spirit, he places the Holy Spirit in in you, Stephen, and in you, Steve, you, Matt, and Ashlyn, and Dana, and me, and Matthew. He puts the Holy Spirit in us so that where we go, there is the Holy Spirit. We are to be the lights in the world. We are to be the salt in this world. We are to be Christ's in this world. We are to be representative of Jesus Christ. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now there was a, there was a fella that, that I, I love. I dearly, dearly, dearly loved him as a teacher. His name was J. Vernon McGee. How many of you guys have heard of J. Vernon McGee? Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Jay Vernon McGee. You know, I, I grew up listening to him every single morning. My mom had him on the radio. It's The same messages, same radio program today as it was then. The guy died back in 1988, and his messages are still on on the radio even now. They're all over the world. They've been translated into so many different messages and or into so many different languages, excuse me. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that I loved about J. Vernon McGee. He was very simple. But what he did is he went through the Bible verse by verse and he expounded on the Bible verse by verse. That's what I try to, that's, that's kind of how I try to teach. I try to teach verse by verse. I try to teach chapter by chapter, book by book as we work our way through the word of God. That's what J. Vernon McGee did. He did it very simplistic. One thing that he said a long time ago, and it took me a while to really grasp the truth of this, of this statement. He said, Jesus was, I think you would agree, the most spirit filled man to ever live upon the face of the earth. How many would agree with that? I think all of us, yeah. The most spirit filled individual to ever live upon the face of the earth. And now I, I'm attributing this to J. Vernon McGee, and it wasn't J. Vernon McGee, it was A.W. Tozer, I'm sorry. Sorry, A.W., you know. But Tozer, he said, I believe that Jesus limited himself to the same power of the Holy Spirit that is is available to you and to me even in this day. But man, sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like the Holy Spirit is, is, is as strong in my life as I see it in Jesus' life. Now granted, Jesus was God. He knew all things. He saw things from past to present. He saw into the future. He saw all things in all, he was all knowing. And yet he came with a purpose and he lived that purpose and he, he, he came, he lived and he died and he rose again and he ascended. But Jesus with the same Holy Spirit that was upon him, He said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to give him to you. And he's going to come upon you. Gang, listen, when we become a Christian, Jesus wants to impart the Holy Spirit upon us, and he does. And then it really kind of comes into our, you know, court of whether or not we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. We sometimes look at our own inadequacies and our weaknesses and our failures and we, we we disqualify ourselves from ever being used of the Lord when in all actuality, God is saying, stop, recognize you're saved. You're forgiven. Move forward and walk in me. It's to your advantage that I go away, Jesus says. I'm gonna give that same Holy Spirit that's upon me to you and now you'll be able to walk in this world and you'll be a light unlike this world can possibly it's impossible for this world to duplicate the light that is going to shine through you if you live being empowered by my holy spirit and gang i think we missed that i don't think that we fully grasp that was the last time you really truly felt like the holy spirit was completely and totally free to move through you and, and, and in you. How often is it that I limit what God can do in my life because I'm selfish? I'm afraid of, of what someone might say or, or I just don't want to do that and it's inconvenience to me. I'm ashamed to say that. But I think we all can be ashamed to say that. But it doesn't negate the fact that it's afforded to us. And it's not just afforded to us, but it's encouraged of us to live in that manner. That's what Paul is trying to get to. Guys, the Holy Spirit is upon you. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you. Your life is no longer about you. It's now about what the Lord wants to do in your life. And he'll give you the power to do it. Don't limit him by your own intellect. Don't limit him by your past failures. Don't limit him by your belief that God can never use you because you don't have the ability to speak behind a pulpit, say. I can't do that. How can God use me? You remember Moses? Who remembers Moses? Every one of us, right? Moses says, "Yeah, I, uh, I don't have. I cannot speak. I am a horrible public speaker. God, uh, you got to get someone else." Get somebody else to speak because I, I get freaked out when I get in front of people. God says, who's the one who makes man's mouth? Who's the one that makes a man mute? Well, you are. Well, I can do that in you. Oh, but no, nah, I, I, and Moses begins to limit himself and I can't do it. I don't know. I just, I just can't, Lord. I'm just, I'm afraid. I don't know. God says, all right, here's your brother Aaron. Man, is he going to be a thorn in the saddle. But I'm going to bring him along, and he can be your spokesperson, but you need to, you need to get on the same page as me. We've got to be on the same page. And God did wondrous things, things we still speak of today through a man that was willing to trust God even though he questioned his own abilities. He saw his weaknesses. He saw his limitations. And God used them in spite of him. How often do we see that it's not Moses, or it's not Aaron that's speaking to Pharaoh, but it's actually Moses. It's like Moses needed somebody else there to be with him. But Moses began to, to learn how to speak for the Lord and speak being prompted by the Lord. And he began to do a work. And God began to do a work through him. Why? Not because of his abilities, but because of God's abilities. And it's the same with you and I. The same God who worked through Moses is the same God that worked through Jesus, is the same God that worked through David, is the same God that worked through Paul, is the same God that is desiring to work through you and I. And Paul's trying to get to you and I, and he's trying to say, listen, your life is no longer about you, your life is hidden with Christ in God, you put on the Jesus suit. And when you put on the Jesus suit, I remember hearing it one time said, I think it was Gail once said it. When you go in Jesus' name, I'm going to go in Jesus' name. I'm a Christian. Well, then go in Jesus' nature and in his character. Don't just go in his name. Go in his nature and in his character. Otherwise, you're presenting an imposter to the world. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. When we go in our power, claiming ourselves to be Christians, we're presenting to the world an imposter. There was an old song by a fellow by the name of Wayne Watson. He used to love his music. Anybody ever hear of Wayne Watson? As I say this, it's the older people that say, "Yeah, I kind of remember him. I remember him. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a song. You remember uh, a song that Wayne Watson sang? It was called That's Not Jesus. I don't know, you remember that? That's not Jesus. He doesn't carry on that way. That's just some flesh and blood like you and me, somehow gone astray. That's not Jesus. No! No matter what they say. The point is, is that he was looking at those that were claiming to be Christians claiming to be spokesmen for the Lord, televangelists. And, and they're, they're standing there and they're making people feel guilty because they don't, they don't, you know, give enough money to their ministry. So he, part of the, the, the song is, encapsulates, you know, somebody who is a false teacher and the point is, Wayne Watson saying, that's not Jesus. Even though they say words about Jesus, even though they have these words that they say about Jesus, that's still not Jesus. But then they go on into other verses where it talks about people just like you and I that consider themselves Christians, and yet they, they do the wrong things. How many times do I hear today that some people won't even hire Christians because they are some of the worst employees that you can have and i think wow that should not be if anyone should be the best worker in a company it should be a christian why because what are we supposed to do when we work we're to give we are to operate we're to present ourselves. we're to work in such a way as if we were working what under the lord right as if god were our boss why because he is We work for him, why? Because we wear the Jesus suit, right? We wear the Jesus suit, man. We wear Christ everywhere we go. We're not presenting us, we're presenting Christ where we go. We've got to be the best employees. We've got to minister, we've got to love, we've got to reach the unlovable. I mean, our bosses might be very, very, very unlovable, but it's okay. That's who Jesus came to die for. Maybe it's through you that God's going to reach in and grab a hold of that person. You're the pulpit that God takes into that workplace. Because for goodness sakes, that person's never going to come into a church. One of the reasons I believe God has me in the field, and I I I don't have uh, I'm going to knock that over. I keep moving it. And I keep walking into it. I don't know. It's like a magnet, you know. Uh, One of the reasons I think God has me in the field is that there's a lot of people that just, they won't come to church. One of the reasons why God has you in the field is, you know what? The people you're around, they won't go to church. They need to see Jesus with skin on them. Remember Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin and Hobbes, I loved that guy. I loved, you know, Bill Water—I think his name was Waterson. I loved Calvin and Hobbes, man. That was, that dude, was just awesome. That little cartoon kid. Is he? I don't know. I don't know. One of, one of the stories. Calvin yelling out to his mom and dad. Mom, Dad, come here. Calvin, go to sleep. Mom, dad, come here. Calvin, we're trying to get sleep. You go to sleep. Mom, dad, come here. Calvin, what do you need? Well, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I don't know, monsters under my bed. I don't know, get in here. Calvin, you're not alone. Calvin, God's with you. You good? No. Mom, Dad, come here. Calvin, God's with you. But I need God with skin on him right now. You ever feel that way? I need God with skin on him. I need I need something tangible need something tangible sometimes. And God sends them to us, doesn't he? God sends a person, a brother, a sister. God sometimes sends donkeys to us, doesn't he? They may not speak to us, but something might come your way that is so unexpected and yet it means nothing to know, to anybody else, but to you it means the world. And you're blown away that God would send that form to minister to you in your time of need because you needed God with skin on them. Do you understand? You and I are God with skin on them. Not that I'm God, but I'm his representative. You're his representative. Jesus says, it's to your advantage I go away. For when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come in you. He is going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's not going to speak of his own resources. He's going to speak of God. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to speak through you. He's going to empower you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you words to say. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say in times of trouble. Trust me. I love you. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send him in you and it's to your advantage that I go away because when I do that, I'm going to be able to touch the world. I'm not going to just be in Israel. I'm going to be in Sarasota, Florida on November 3rd, 2019 in many, many, many different lives. Touching the world in Sarasota, but I'm not just touching them here. I am touching them in Israel too, and I'm touching them in California. I'm touching them in Budapest. I'm touching people all over the world because the Holy Spirit is living in and amongst my kids, those who came to know me, those who have become Christians, become children, because they recognize their sin. We put the Jesus suit on, man. And when we put the Jesus suit on, when we came to Christ, it goes on. It doesn't come off. You guys all remember Red Skelton? (laughs) The same old hands went up again. Red Skelton. You know Red Skelton? He was a comedian. He was very famous. He's long since passed. Clean comedian clean humor. It was a good thing. But his his nephew, Rick Skelton, is a Calvary Chapel pastor out in California. And he came to our Bible college one time. And as he was there amongst, you know, 150 students, you know, whatever it was, I don't know how many people were in there. And we we had a class on Wednesdays from, I think it was one o'clock until three o'clock in the afternoon or, or, uh, yeah, one o'clock until four o'clock, maybe something like that. It was a three hour class is what it was. It was called Lectures and, uh, Lectures in Ministry. And, and what it was is it dif- different pastors, you know, from all over the world would come in and they'd, for that Wednesday, they would, one pastor would go in and they'd have three hours to talk to kids. You know, talk to us, talk to the students, not kids. I mean, I was 28 when I first went. And, and they'd come in and they would give The treasures of their hearts to these students and it was awesome i loved lectures and ministry but rick skelton came in one time and that guy's fiery man is he why i mean he's just energetic he's one of those energetic skinny little dudes he's skinny because he's so energetic i'm not that energetic but he, he came in and he says, how many of you guys in this class right now, everybody, come on, let me see it by raising hand. How many of you, when you woke up today, you put on the full armor of God? Come on, I want to see it right now. Everybody, who put the full armor of God on when you woke up this morning? And you know, when you're in Bible college, you better raise your hand, <laughs> right? Because you're expected to, right? Because you're in Bible college, you better have put the full armor of God on and everybody raises their hand. And he goes, you guys, what are you doing? You disappoint me. We're like, wow, that kind of, that kind of took a turn that we didn't expect. He goes, why did you put the armor of God on this morning? He goes, you should never have taken it off. It's, you should have slept in it. Don't take the armor of God off. Don't ever take it off. Wake up with it. Go to sleep in it. Don't ever take it off. And, and it, it made an impression on my brain and on my soul from that day forward about it's not an act that we put on. It's not something that we just put on on a day-by-day basis. But it's something that we put on the day that we became a Christian. The day we put our Jesus suit on. The day that I said, life is not about me, it's about you, Christ. Life isn't about me, it's about You few months ago, we talked about being a slave, right? A loss. I'm a slave of God. I'm a slave of Christ. It's no longer about me. Paul understood it. He, it's not about me. I've been crucified with Christ, he said there in Galatians chapter 2, didn't he? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I put the Jesus suit on. And he keeps playing this E string over and over and over again. Just one string. Boom, boom, boom. He keeps hitting that same string. Every one of his books, if you if you think about it, all 13 books of Paul, every one of his books, he keeps clanging the same string. It's not about you. It's about Christ. I had to learn it. You remember he talked about how he had to learn it. Romans chapter 7, oh, the things that I will to do, those are the things that I don't do. The things that I will not to do, those are the very things that I practice. I am so frustrated with myself, Paul says. I am a wretched man. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? And he says, well, you know what? I understand it. Romans 7 has a Romans 8. Romans 7 has a, a verse 24 that says, I thank God. Through Christ, it's now, I understand, it's no longer about me, but it's the life that I live in Christ. There's now, no, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I understand it now. I understand that I don't walk because I'm worthy, I walk because He's worthy. I don't walk because I, I don't, you know, refuse to walk because I'm a failure. I was a failure. I am a failure. And if left to my own resources, I will continue to be a failure. But in Christ, you remember Paul said there in Romans chapter 7, he goes, I know that in me, nothing good dwells. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't say that. He says it, but he adds something to it in the middle. I know that in me, he says, that is, and he clarifies what he's saying. I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, that nothing good dwells. He had to make that distinction because... Why? Because in Paul, he understood, dwells the Holy Spirit. I put the Jesus suit on and the Holy Spirit has come inside of me. That is very good. I know that in me, nothing good dwells. Well, except for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells there and that is good. But if it was up to my flesh... There's nothing good about my flesh. My flesh stinks. My flesh... my flesh is corrupt. My flesh stinks. How many you put deodorant on today? Hopefully, all of us. Why? Because your flesh stinks, right? I mean, if you took a bath or a shower. You bathed today or yesterday or whenever, but you bathed recently. Why? Because your flesh stinks. My flesh stinks. Spiritually, our flesh stinks. Our our flesh is putrid spiritually, but Christ has washed us. He's made us clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, are we cleansed? And so we put on Christ. And we walk not in and of our own flesh because our flesh stinks, but we walk in the character and in the nature of the name in whom we have the costume, right? If you go in Jesus' name, what did I say? Go in his character and go in his nature. Anything else is an impostor. When I pre- present myself, and when people know that I'm a Christian, and I go out there and I'm living according to my ways, people don't know when you're living for you and when you're living for Christ. And therein lies where people get confused and say, "I never want to become a Christian because look at that guy right there. That's that's what Jesus looks like, and that's why Wayne Watson wrote that song. That's not Jesus." He wouldn't carry on that way. That's just some flesh and blood like you and me that somehow has gone astray. It's not Jesus. He doesn't carry on that way. No way. That's not Jesus. When we put on Christ, something happens. We go in his name. We go in his nature. We go in his character. The Jesus suit is on and it does something to us. We can't... We can't make this change work apart from the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is doing a work in our life, gang, we can do all things. We have the same power available to us that was available to Christ. Man, you know, I know that we might have just a little bit of strength and a little bit of power, a little bit of, of strength in, in 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 our walks. But let's capitalize on every bit of power that we possibly can seek from the Lord and recognize that it's not of us. Not accept the glory when it comes. Not accept accept praise and and adulation when it comes, but deflect it. Be a mirror and say no, it's not me, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I do this because of Jesus. Here's what Paul says. You're hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have the Jesus suit on. That's what he says. And so what does that look like? He's going to say, this is not what it looks like. This is what it doesn't look like. Here's what he says right here. He says, therefore, being that you have the Jesus suit on, verse 5, put to death your members which are on the earth. The things that are on the earth. The things that make you who you used to be. Fornication. Uncleanness. Passion. That's evil passion. Fornication is, we, we understand it. Sex outside of marriage. The seeking of sex outside of marriage. Even what goes on through your mind. Fornication. Put that out. Put to death that stuff. Uncleanness. The things that, that aren't, that you would never do, that you would never entertain in front of your grandma. Sometimes we say, hey don't, whatever you wouldn't do in front of Jesus, if Jesus were right here with you, you wouldn't do it, right? Would you do that if Jesus were standing here? Well, some of us might look at that, well, yeah, you know what? He's going to forgive me. Well, what about your grandma? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that then. No, no way. Won't do that in front of grandma. And hopefully you had a grandma that you, you respected enough to where you wanted to, to do her proud. And you wouldn't do certain things. <clears throat> Uncleanness. Evil passion. Evil passion would be And evil desires. Uh, Covetousness, which is idolatry. This evil desire is is a word that means, it, it, it literally means this, desiring that which is forbidden. And all of our minds can go in a lot of different ways on that, right? Desiring that which you know is forbidden. It's just forbidden. And yet you kind of go, well, I wouldn't mind at least tasting it. Entertaining it. No, that's, that's that evil desire. That's, a, that's an evil desire. He says, put to death those things. Covetousness. Wanting something that isn't yours, that someone else has. Feeling the right to have it yourself. Put to death that. Put to death that. That's not yours. It's not about you anymore. Put to death. In fact, the word put to death means to mortify, to make dead, to inflict suffering or death upon those things, to to you have an action to putting those things to death. There's an action on your part to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to entertain this. I'm not going to go through with this anymore. This is not about me because I have the Jesus suit on. That's not what Christ would do. I must stop. Well, I can't because it's too powerful for me. Okay, Jesus says that's great that you understand that you don't have the power to overcome that sin that is so besetting in your life. Now, Understand this. This is what I was talking about. It's to your advantage that you have the Holy Spirit in you because he will give you the strength and the power to overcome all things. Oh, but it's too strong for me. The addiction is too great. I don't know. The Bible tells me that no temptation has overtaken me such as is common to any man. But God is able. and He has made a way of escape for me, for you, for us. How, through the Holy Spirit that is in you, He's made a way of escape. He's made a way of escape for you. He's made a way of escape for me. We fail to 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 latch on to that. We have, we fail to appropriate that escape route because our flesh is strong, man, and we want what we want, and we are okay with sinning. Because, you know what? He's going to forgive me anyways. Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking the way that says, well, he's going to forgive me anyway, so I'm going to sin anyways. That's not how you have a relationship with God. Put to death those things. Mortify the flesh. Mortify. Put to death. Inflict damage and death upon those members that do this. He goes on, he says, because of these things, verse six of chapter three, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And so here's the thing. If you're into these things, if you're doing these things and you're excusing these things in your life because I'm weak, stop it. God says you don't have to be weak in that area. You can be strong. Where you are weak, I am strong. That's where God will show himself faithful to you. Now it's up to you whether or not you want to appropriate God's power that he's afforded to you or whether you want to reject it because you enjoy living in the flesh, living in the world. (coughs) And if you reject God's help, you're joining yourself, not with the Lord, you're joining yourself with the sons of disobedience. And God says, this is what the wrath of God's coming down upon. Why are you entertaining that? Don, why do you entertain that? The wrath of, the wrath of me is coming down that, on this. Why would you want to join yourself together with something that is not me? Why would you ever want to take me into that? You ever borrow somebody's car? One of somebody had sent something on Facebook just a couple days ago. I saw, you know, you know, a father teaching his son, you know, respect, you know, you know, when you shake someone's hand, stand up when you shake their hand. When you shake someone's hand, shake their hand. I taught my son at a very early age. Hey, when you go and give a handshake, you get in there, and man, you you get those thumbs and you get them in there, and you get them in nice and strong. Unless it's an older lady, don't do that. That hurts. You go and shake another man's hand, you shake it. And you look him in the eyes. You look him in the eyes. It's respect. One of the things that that uh, uh, they had said, you know, stand up in a room. Stand up when, when you, you see a, a woman that needs a seat. Stand up and give it to her. Open a door. Oh, but that's sexist. Shut up. That just bothers me. Be a man. Stop it. Stop taking what this world says is manly or what is not manly or what is sexist or what is it. Hey, be a man. Stand up and do the right thing. Stand up and do the right thing. Do the right thing. And you look them in the eye and you do the right thing the right thing. You put to death those things that are what the world would do. Don't give excuses for them. Own it and be done with it. He says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you also once walked when you lived in them. That's who you used to be, Paul says. I got to hurry. But now you also... And then he goes on and he gives a few more things here. He goes, but you must also put off all these things: anger and wrath and malice. Malice, who knows what malice is? Malice means to desire to do harm to someone, right? To desire to do harm. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You struggle with that? Here's a quick little word for you today. Stop it. (laughs) Just stop. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to have filthy language come out of your mouth. Stop it. Oh, but it's just you don't know. You don't understand. I've done this my whole life. Okay. Remember, when you say those things, people and people listen to you and you have the Jesus suit on, they think Jesus says that, that it's cool. Jesus is good with that. Is that what you want to present? No. Recognize who you represent. You represent Christ. These things ought not be named among you. So put those things. Don't lie to one another. Since you put off the old man with his deeds, that's who you used to be. Don't do that anymore. You're new. You belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers you. Don't lie to another, since you put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man. You've put on Christ. You put the Jesus suit on, man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created him. That's the Jesus suit that he's talking about. I know I'm very sim- very much simplifying this, but you put on Christ. You put the suit of Christ on. You put the costume of Christ on, and whatever you do, that's what people when they see you, when they hear you, when they observe you, what they do observe from you, what they hear from you, what they see from you, they will (coughs) represent, they will identify that that's what Jesus does. (coughs) That's not your job. To put a bad taste in people's mouth because you put the the costume of Jesus on and you go out there and live like the world. (coughs) You've put on the new man, verse ten, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. Well, I'm not a Jew, doesn't matter. Well I'm not a man, doesn't matter. Well I'm not a slave, doesn't matter. I'm not a Scythian. Probably none of us are. What's a Scythian? You, it's your homework. You're not it. That's your homework. Here's the thing. <coughs> Everybody's one in Christ. And so here, here's the thing. When you become a Christian, when you put on Christ, stop doing those things because you're representing Christ in an unfavorable light in this world. Therefore, as the elect of God, I'm just going to read this. As the elect of God, here's what you and I are to be. Holy. You're holy and you're beloved. Here here it is. Paul says, put on tender mercies. That's who. That's who people should see in you because you wear the costume of Jesus, because you wear the Jesus suit. You've been transformed. It's no longer about you. You died and you've put on a new man. His name is Christ. Put on tender mercies and and kindness and humility and meekness and patience or long-suffering. Bear one another. Forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Oh, but they wronged me. How many times have you wronged Jesus? 75 times a day. Did he forgive you? Yeah. What right do you have to hold and harbor unforgiveness to the person who's done one thing wrong to you today? Stop it. Again, remember, it's not about you. You put off the old man. Whoever did something to you, it's not against you personally. It's against Christ. It's against Christ. Because you no longer are living for you. You're no longer representing you. Don Haskins no longer represents Don Haskins. Don Haskins, when he walks out of this building, when he stands in this pulpit today, I'm representing Christ. Is this what Jesus would say? Is this what Jesus would do? Remember, we used to have those <clears throat> those bands. I don't know. Some of you guys might even still have them, you know? The, the wristlets, you know, wristbands. WWJD, we understood that to say, what, what would Jesus do? You know that that came from a, from a, a fella that, that uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Right off the top of my head. What, who? Robert Shelton. Robert Shelton, yes. He wrote that back in 1905 or something like that. <coughs> <Cool>. <coughs> Excuse me. My voice is now gone. Uh, what would Jesus do? And so we look at that. What would Jesus do in this situation? No longer should you ask, what would I do? What would I do? Because it doesn't matter anymore what you would do. What you would do would be most of the time wrong anyways. So stop doing it your way. Start doing it God's way through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that has been afforded to you that God says, please ask, please seek, and please find. You'll find it in him. And and don't harbor unforgiveness because, for goodness sakes, what right do you have to harbor unforgiveness towards someone when God has forgiven you of so much? Even this day, even in the last 10 minutes, some of you guys, in the last 5 minutes, some of you have had to be forgiven from God for something that just went through your head. How dare you? How dare I? Harbor unforgiveness to somebody else after that thought went through your head or that thought that you entertained that you had to take to the Lord just a few minutes ago, you you still harbor unforgiveness? God, please forgive me, but I'm what that guy judged. How dare you? How dare I? That's not Jesus, man. He doesn't carry on that way. It's just some flesh and blood like you and me somehow gone astray. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it simmer in you. Let it let it simmer and, and emanate from you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. What did he say? Everything that you do, do all in the name. And what have we said? If you go in his name, go in his character, and go in his nature. You are representing, I am representing, we are representing as Christians, Christ to the world. Do they have a proper, are we properly reflecting who Christ is? Is the world understanding what Jesus looks like when they hear us, when they observe us, when they watch us? If not, you're living for you. It's a quick test. I've taken an hour, or 45 minutes to go through all of this. But it's pretty simple, isn't it? Put the Jesus suit on. It's not about you. You died. You live in Christ. Now go and represent him to the world. You're going in his name, going his character and going his nature. Does that make sense? Let's do that. thanks for listening so did jesus cause a change in you today or do you need prayer we'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717 that's 941-926-3717 again thanks for listening to in the word with pastor don